your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Avalanche fans, welcome to the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is being brought to you by Built Bar and BuiltBar.com. And 2020 just continues to really suck. And as many Avalanche fans know, Pierre Lacroix has passed away. And today's episode will pretty much be dedicated to him. If you are even the most casual of Avalanche fans, you should be very familiar with Pierre Lacroix and what he has brought to the Avalanche. So we'll dive into that. Uh, first things first, follow the show on social media outlets, follow on Twitter, L O P N underscore avalanche, follow on Instagram, search for locked on avalanche, send any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, what Pierre Lacroix meant to you to locked on avalanche at gmail.com. So before we get into all of the Pierre Lacroix talk, uh, I did. I, I I had to mention one uh, final comment because this comment came in after I had finished Friday's show, and last week was a Wah week. Everything was Patrick Wah uh, since it was the 25th anniversary of them acquiring him, and figured why not just do a week's worth of shows dedicated to Patrick Wah. So uh, for for. Friday show, I wanted people to write in kind of some memories that they had of his. This one came in after I had recorded, but I still, it's so good. I still uh, feel the need to read it. And because this show is going to be kind of, uh, not I want to say sad, but we're, we're celebrating uh, a prominent figure in the avalanche world, uh, his passing, that's never really a good thing. So why not bring up something good? Uh, and it's pertaining to Patrick Wah and something he was known for. So Nancy Lambert posted on my Twitter page, as she said, in 1999 at a Frozen Fury game in Vegas, a bunch of abs fans were surrounding him for autographs. His rule was one per person, but this lady tried to get two. And he said, I already signed for you. And she replied, how do you know with all these abs people? And he said, your shoes, ma'am. <laughs> so you're looking at people, uh, you know, all the faces that he sees signing autographs over and over and over again, all the people that he sees just being Patrick Waugh. Uh, and he did. He had a, a hard line rule. You get one autograph. He might remember you a year later and say, no, you got one last year. Uh, but for this, it was, uh, nope. you already had one. And I know that based on your shoes. And she probably didn't get it, would be my guess. So, yeah, I, I have heard that he has a one autograph rule, and it seemed like he sticked to it there. So if you still have them, I'll still take them. If you know, if you have a uh, personal story about Patrick Waugh or just something in general, the line is always open for that. Get a hold of me on Twitter or through the email. So, all right. Uh, Pierre Lacroix, he's 72 years old, I think it was, passed away 1948 to 2020. And like we said, 2020 just continues to be a year that we all just want to get over with. Um, if I guess like, you know, the hardcore 
Avalanche fans, uh, like I said in the beginning, the casual fans know who he is. I think the hardcore fans know what he did. Uh, when it comes to the Colorado Avalanche, you know, you you hear names, the usuals, Patrick Waugh, Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, you know, Nathan McKinnon, all, all players that are synonymous with the Colorado Avalanche. People who, you know, like live and breathe Avalanche and just love everything about them, know all of the, uh, you know, back office people's names and stuff like that, know how valuable Pierre Lacroix was to the Avalanche franchise. Probably as valuable to the Avalanche as all those guys I listed. And I don't think anybody would say you're crazy to me by saying that. Uh, he, he, he got the job as GM. First of all, he was a, a agent back in the day and then made the switch to front office and started being a GM. He took over the GM position the last year in Quebec. So kind of got that first year under his belt before the move. And you could tell he really wanted to make this team legit right from the get-go. He, I think he saw the importance of moving to a brand new town and getting everybody behind that town and, and the fan base excited and not lose that. Because the, the fan base and, and uh, you're moving to a new city, people are going to be excited. And if you don't produce, that excitement wears off. Like, like if your team's not doing well, you know, the, the fan base will show up when you are doing well. He knew how important it was to make this team legit right off the bat. And, I mean, did anybody really think they were going to, to win a Stanley Cup in year one? <laughs> I mean, I think they, they would say we were hoping for it. But you could not have had a better start than what he did and what he had. And we talked all last week about the Patrick Wad deal, and that was him. You know what I mean? And what we'll do for the next couple segments is I, you can look at so many moves that he made. Being an Avalanche fan at that point in time when he was running the show and it was coming down to the nitty-gritty of uh, trade deadlines – you knew the Avalanche were going to be active. It's almost the exact opposite of what they are today. Today, they are very meticulous. Joe Sackick knows what he wants, and he he has built a fantastic team. We've talked about it over and over and again on this show. What he's done is fantastic. Lacroix was a different animal. He he would just make deals, and he would he would in, in I guess in a roundabout way, he was similar in Joe Sackick to the fact that he didn't never gave up a ton to get. Excellent, excellent players. And you can talk to anybody around the league and any any fan, and they'll probably have a favorite Pierre Lacroix move or a, a favorite Pierre Lacroix trade. And you it's almost like we we had I had Kyle on and we were uh ranking Star Wars movies, and everybody has their different list of Star Wars movies. I'm almost willing to bet a lot of people have a different list of favorite Pierre Lacroix trades. Because he brought so many good players to the Avs, and some didn't last very long, but and I think he knew that. I think he he wanted to make a deal to make the team better for now. That's the big difference when with his moves and Sackick's moves. Sackick's moves, he's created a team that's built right now to win and five years in the future to win. And Lacroix, Lacroix, <laughs> yeah, Pierre Lacroix, um, built the team for what are we doing this year 
you know, we, we, we can improve this team right now. And the, the miraculous ways he would do it to not give up a ton teams don't do that. I mean, like teams will do it for, for future and hope they get better for the future. Uh, but sometimes, you know, a lot of deals for the avalanche, the past couple years didn't get made because they wanted to sure give up prospects, but um, prospects that can move in right now. And he never had to do that. It was incredible how he was able to almost manipulate guys into getting what he wanted. So uh, I figured I, I would talk about my three favorite moves from him. Pro- probably not surprising. Some of maybe one, I don't know, but um, I figured, you know, we, we could go on and on about all the moves that he has made because there's some impressive ones. Uh, but these three to me really stick out. So we'll get into that here in a second, but first we are going to hear from our friends over at built bar and builtbar.com. Like I said, a, the, a new year is coming. 2020 is winding down and thank God for that. And 2021 is right around the corner and everybody wants to get healthy, get in shape and add built bar to your repertoire in order to do that. Built Bar is the best tasting protein protein bar on the market by far. They are covered in 100% chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew. They taste more like a candy bar than those chalky, gritty protein bars that you are used to. And the best thing is they are incredibly healthy for you, where some of the most of the other ones are not. Most bars have 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. They are great for the health conscious guy or girl, lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for the keto diet. Some of the flavors you can choose from, 18 in total, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, German chocolate, peanut butter, banana bread, mint brownie. The list goes on. And they also have many other products in the Built Bar umbrella that you can also choose from when you go to their website and when you go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on and you will get 20% off of your next order. Once again, that promo code is locked on 20% comes off of your next order. Go there right now. All right. So my favorite moves by Pierre Lacroix, uh, for me, it, it, it's, it's, there's so many to choose from, but I would say for number three, we'll go three, two, one. So for me, uh, the, my, my third favorite move from him was bringing in Claude Lemieux. Uh, and I think this was a move that he made to bring in a guy. Claude Lemieux was a year, not even a year removed from a Stanley cup win in New Jersey. He won MVP of the playoffs uh, and and he was riding a wave, and he was you know demanding some more money in New Jersey, and I think um, maybe his celebrity was building a little bit, and I think Lacroix loved that, and I think he wanted to bring him in and have that you know a guy had fresh off a an incredible Stanley Cup run, bring that in immediately changes the dynamic of the locker room for a number of reasons because he has that experience of winning a cup and this team was already good, but I think adding that is only that only helps you come playoff time. And he immediately gave them some toughness 
which we all know the toughness of Claude Lemieux and kind of what he did to, to kind of kickstart that rivalry with Detroit. Um, so I think bringing him in was a, a very, very smart. And then he had a, he had a very good career with the avalanche. I mean, he wasn't just there to kind of throw his weight around. Like he was, he was there to, to, to be, to, to, you know, to, to be what they wanted him to be and not just goon. They, they wanted more than that from him and he gave it to him. Claude Demio was a, a very, very good player. People look back and they look at, you know, the, the fights and, and uh, you know, again, with the starting with the, the rivalry with the Red Wings. But he was more than that. Um, he, was a, he was a very solid player for the Avalanche. And I think he fit in great with this team because he didn't need to be on the Avs what the Devils needed him to be, which was one of their better players. And he could just settle in, play his own game, go let Sackick win the game, go let Forsberg win the game. And he could just pick his spots and just be one of the guys. And I think he he loved it here. And then, um, you know, we said when I was on with the Lockdown Red Wings guys, that that rivalry in itself pretty much started when the Avalanche acquired him and ended when they shipped him back to Detroit or Detroit uh, to the Devils. But uh, I think that was a great move. I think that was a, a very smart, sound move to bring him in at the the perfect time when, like I said, you needed to keep this fan base involved. And I think they would have been for the first year, no matter what. Uh, but if you can make a deep run in your very first year, when you move, you're, you're, you're pulling all the right strings. So uh, definitely, I think for me, the third best move was get, and these are all, trades by the way so uh bringing claude de would be non- my number three my number two believe it or not my, my number two is, is the patrick wad deal i mean absolutely brilliant <laughs> uh and and i think this was kind of like him setting the tone of how he was going to run this team and i think after this deal was made a lot of people started thinking like whenever there's a player not of Waz caliber because really there's nobody of like Waz caliber but whenever there's kind of like that upper echelon player available after this wad deal happened i think everybody was like thinking all right we're the avalanche are lurking around the, the avalanchers the avalanche are going to try to find a way to pull this off they were in the conversation with all of those players and all of those deals come trade deadline and a lot of the times they come out they came out on top and that's because of Lacroix. But I think it started with the the Patrick Wad deal. Because I think, again, once again, this is year one and he wants to set the tone. There was talks in the, in the offseason leading up to that year uh, that the Avalanche tried to get him. And I, I, I think it was pretty close to happening and it just didn't. So when, you know, the awful game against Detroit – he comes out of the game, tells the team president, never playing in Montreal again. I, I wouldn't bet that the clock hit zero on that game when uh, Pierre was on the phone trying to acquire him. It took him four days to make the deal, and and the rest is history. But I think uh, him being successful in making that deal kind of gave him, like, not confidence. He had confidence 
uh, to that, that he could, he could figure out a way, whatever, whatever it took, he would make a deal. And that's the thing with him. Like he, he, everybody wants to win. All GMs want to win. Um, but he just was, he had that ability to kind of include players that he didn't think really were going to fit on his team anymore for whatever reason and ship them out. Uh, and the thing about him is he, with the media, wasn't, he, it's not like that he was, they had this like animosity towards each other, but he kept everything so close behind closed doors. Now you get scoops and stuff posted to Twitter before it happens and uh, on Facebook and Instagram all over the place. You hear it on on NHL Network or NBC or wherever it is. Um, he had a, a brilliant ability to not let things out. And I think it drove the media nuts in Colorado because that's their job. They want to report on these things before they happen. They want to get the scoop. It was so tough to get anything out of him because he didn't want them to know. He didn't want to show his cards. He didn't want another team to hear something and say, like, well, this is what Colorado's doing. We, you know, this is what's going on in the press. This is what we hear. And then another team ups the ante and maybe lands a player that he was trying to get. So he was really good at keeping not only his mouth shut, which was easy to do for him, but everybody else associated with them. Stuff leaks all the time now. Everybody knows that. But to, to do that, uh, and kind of at the age of when the internet was starting to blow up, um, he was able to, to keep the media guessing at what they You knew that they were going to be involved. And that was kind of like what the reporting was, was Avalanche should be involved in this. They probably are. We just don't know what they're going to do. And then boom. And, and out, out he would come with, uh, with an incredible deal. And, and he did that over and over. There was another deal he did uh, with Theo Fleury. Like nobody saw that deal coming. Nobody. And he was able to pull that off. And, and Fleury was only there for a short period of time. But just the fact that he was able to pull that off was incredible. So um, we'll do one more break and then come back with the number one, which I'm sure a lot of people were going back and forth between what the number one is and why. So because you know the number two deal is why, you probably know what the number one deal is that he made. We'll talk about it anyway. All right. So... Like I said, uh, uh, very sad news that he passed away. Um, one of the great GMs in NHL history. And, uh, you know, if it wasn't for him, who knows where the Avalanche franchise would be if they would have even won any of those uh, Stanley Cups. Because both those Stanley Cups that they made, or both those Stanley Cups that they won, big deals had happened, not well, specifically for this one, that's number one, didn't happen the year of, but uh, paid dividends in the following year. And so number three was getting Claude Lemieux. Number two was getting Patrick Waugh. And for me, his number one deal was bringing in Ray Bork. And th- I mean, because and the reason why this one is number one for me is because that, like when you think of, if, if I just tell you Colorado Avalanche, what do you think of when you think of Colorado Avalanche? Again, it's, individual players. It's 
the Joe Sackix, Patrick Waz, guys like Peter Forsberg, things like that. If I if I ask you what's the, like a number one moment in Avalanche history, I would almost guarantee people would say Ray Bork hoisting the cup. And that in and of itself is 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 a moment whenever you see you know, uh, NHL montages and when the, when the playoffs come around, when it's the Stanley cup and they're playing montages for the Stanley cup guaranteed that image is going to be in there of Joe Sackett handing him the cup. It's an iconic moment. Um, and it, and it happened in an avalanche Jersey and it wasn't just again, that he was able to land him for giving up. I mean, he gave, I think the most valuable thing he gave up in that deal was a first round pick. There were some players in there uh, that had pretty decent NHL careers, but you know, he didn't give up the farm to go get Ray Bork because he knew, you know, he's only going to be playing another couple of years, but Boston, you know, he was still playing excellent hockey and Boston was like, no, this is a, this is a, a, our, a huge name in our franchise. Uh, he's still putting up great numbers. We want we want something for him. We're just not going to give him up for a fourth round pick. So the Avalanche had to uh, get creative, and he gave up some prospects. First round pick. They got Bork, and uh, his name's escaping me. I apologize, <laughs> but they got another player from Boston. Which, when you look at it, it's like great. He he made a deal, brought in a guy who was playing for a Boston Bruins team that is struggling coming you know it's the twilight of his career wanting to go to a team that can compete for a cup and maybe uh right out into the sunset john elway style winning a championship that's how it happened pretty much but um what the impressive thing is here is when ray bork said i want to be traded when he went to boston the boston brass and said you know boston i love boston played here for 20 years, but I don't see us getting better within the next couple of years to make a good push. Can you send me somewhere just so I have that opportunity? His number one clause was, I want to be close to here. I want to be close to Boston. I want to be East coast. I don't want to uproot my family. My family's lived here. My kids are in school, like, like everything. I, I don't want to go far from here. And that was his wish. And everybody thought it was going to be Philly, or New Jersey. And between those two, I think everybody was landing on Philly. Pretty much everybody thought that Bork was going to be a flyer. And then what happens? They have so they have a GM meeting at the end of February. And here comes Pierre Lacroix. And kind of getting in with the Boston Brass to say, hey, what's uh, I, I hear grumblings of Ray Bork wanting to go uh, somewhere to compete for a cup. And they were honest. They're like, yeah, he does. But because it was Pierre Lacroix, they know he plays on the West coast. Uh, they didn't really think he was going to make a push for him because they, if they would go back to Ray Bork and say, Colorado's interested, they thought Ray Bork would say no, but Bork and Lacroix go back a long way and they know each other for a very long time. So I think if, Bork had said it, you know, there's one team that I would go to. It would probably be the Avalanche because of Pierre Lacroix and because they have a, a history together. And he asked him, he asked the GM of Boston, say like, you know, I, well, he told him, he said, I could go around you and just go to his agent, but I don't want to be that guy. So go talk to him. 
go talk to him, tell him I am interested in, in bringing him here. And, you know, long story short, that's pretty much what happened. And then I think some people still thought they were going to send him to Philly. Uh, but in the end, I think the Laquadio was better. So that's where they sent him. And that is just impressive to me to get a guy who lives in Boston and says, I don't want to go far. And the team that is able to land him is 2000 miles away. Come on. That's a man that knows how to get what he wants. Uh, I, I just think for that reason, uh, you know, the, the Patrick Wad deal kind of was, I think everybody was in play for the Patrick Wad deal. And he came in with, I guess the best possible deal. It, it, basically stole Patrick Waugh. Uh, but I think just, you know, getting Bork at the end of his career after him saying that he doesn't want to go far from home and you land him in Colorado. And then it becomes one of probably the most iconic moment in avalanche history. And definitely one of the most iconic moments in NHL history. Brilliant. The, the guy, the guy knew how to do his job and he knew how to do his job well and he didn't sacrifice uh a lot of the future to get you know your here and now players but uh you could go on and on i mean just just the list of names that he brought in let me see if i have a i thought i, I thought i had something up here uh kind of okay so here's some names if it wants to load that he just brought in like i said theo flurry Sandus Ozelinch, the Claude the Mew deal. Rob Blake, he brought in. Never forget that. He made the deal for Eric Johnson. Um, there's the Bork deal and the Chris Drury trade, which is another, you know, highly, highly touted trade. You could put that in this list. Um, it's just, you know, the list goes on and on about the deals that he would make. It was exciting to come up on a trade deadline if you were an avalanche player. Whether they were great or uh, whether they were good, you knew they were going to get better. And if, and that honestly, that's what happened with the Bork deal. Like they, they, were, they were kind of struggling. They were still teetering on a playoff spot, but they, were, they could have missed out on the playoffs that first year that they got them. Um, and when they, they made the trade, I think they won like 12 of the last – 15 games, I want to say, and made the playoffs, ended up losing the playoffs that year, but he signed on for one more year. And that's another thing. Bork could have went wherever he wanted to go, but he said, I kind of like what they're doing here in Colorado. I'll sign on. And then, and then he wins it. So uh, he's, he's a legend. And the fact that he's not in the hall of fame is a travesty to me. Um, You know, and, and now that he has passed away, uh, I, I kind of don't want them to give him the, like, you know, the, the pity hall of fame, uh, promotion, I guess. I don't know that, that, that part really just kind of, uh, it, it's frustrating that, you know, he never got in because he, he doesn't get thrown into the mix with some of like the greatest GMs of all time. And he really should. And like, yeah, I just feel like he he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and the fact that he's not, and that he can't enjoy that if if he ever is to get into it, um, you know, after he's he's died, uh, I think is just a shame. But maybe he'll get in someday, 
and his family can celebrate it. So for now, uh, rest in peace, Pierre Lacroix. Best GM that the Avalanche have ever had. Uh, Joe Sackick has a lot of work to do if he wants to take that throne. But uh, it was exciting. It was uh, an exciting time when he was running the show uh, because you knew they were always going to be relevant. He was not going to let the team settle in the mediocrity. There we go. Um, And it was fun. So thanks for everything you have done, sir. And that will be it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, We will see you on Wednesday. Definitely check out Locked On NHL if we hear anything new about the season upcoming, which is supposed to start on January 13th, but we shall see. And until then, we'll see you guys. Go, Abs, go!